like top point of my career where I was getting these insane bookings and I was like DJing in um, London and all over and then COVID happened and it just stopped and then I didn't I don't produce and I'm only still learning now so I didn't really have anything else to do so I was going pretty insane and you couldn't see people so you couldn't even go out yeah. so it was yeah it was tough and then post-covid you're then competing against this new wave of djs that have all bought controllers in lockdown mm. who are all very new djs but because they've got followers on social media they are getting the bookings yeah so then i'd say for about a year and a half probably two years you it was minimal bookings because you've not got followers so people just were not booking you mm. and then i'd say in the last year it's then picked up again so last summer was great and then in the last year, I've had really good bookings. And this summer is pretty mental as well. So that's kind of journey. And now I focus like in Garage. So I'm with Ghost of Garage. And then I'm part of a collective called Not Bar For A Girl that I joined. I think it was like the year before COVID. So it was really fresh. Um, but yeah, it's been all over the place. I've done pretty much every genre under the sun. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like you've stuck your fingers in a lot of pies. But I yeah. think that's so good for getting the experience and figuring out like what your sound is. But how do you think the scene in itself has changed since, like, coming out of COVID? Did you notice, like, a big difference within it? Yeah, so it's a lot more competitive. Mm. It's So you're competing a lot more, I get full gigs, and there's a lot more talent, which is always a good thing, because mm. it means there's more girls and there's more non-binary people that are wanting to play. But just as an overall, it means there's more men to compete against, and yeah. there's more promoters that are run by men. There's a lot more events, but they're not paying. Or they'll pay, they'll offer to pay fuel because they can't afford the cost, which is completely fair. Yeah. But it's, I'm having to turn down a lot of gigs because they're like, we'll cover your fuel, but we can't pay you. And it's like, I'm, I'm past that now. Yeah. I definitely. did that when I started. When you start out DJing, 100% just pick up every booking you can get. Mm, yeah. So that's what I used to do. I used to like play for free, £20, tenner. But now I'm like pretty strict. But it's hard because I used to always say yes. But yeah, it's just super competitive. Mm think it's really good that you've got those boundaries there because i think especially in a scene like the music industry i think if you are gonna say yes to everything mm. then people are just gonna take it from you for free aren't they so in general what kind of description of your sounds would you give now so it's definitely varied so don't have really play a set that's just one genre anymore mm. i try and throw a bit a few others so it's varied lively um pretty energetic as well yeah. um i'm quite i find it really difficult to keep it low-key even on an opening set i'll somehow end up playing like really heavy stuff yeah so that's probably like a rounded description but it's very varied with the genres like i'll throw disco into a dub set so it always yeah. happens but that's from playing all these genres so yeah. i kind of know how they work mm. i think like what i really like about your sounds when i was like listening to your sound clouds and stuff like that is the fact that like you managed to just throw banger after banger <laughs> and mix it like literally when i was speaking to you the other day about when i was listening to the mixes that we're gonna play it was like 11 o'clock at night i've been in work all day <laughs> and i was like ready to go to bed and i put that on i was like i could go out now <laughs> it was really really good what we'll do now is we'll play one of your mixes just to give a little bit of a taste of the sound that you've got and just yeah bangers and mash all over thank you for mixing that it was an absolute treat to listen to um, and we have got some more of your sounds coming through later on so this podcast is about mental health and the music industry so do you want to just share a little bit of your own experience with mental health or any perspectives that you've yeah got so i've got social anxiety which is a bit of an odd one to have in the music industry but it's i was I told I had it? I think I was like 15 or 16. So I've had dealt with it for many, many years. Um, in the music industry, it's quite tough because obviously it's a very social setting. But being a DJ, you're not 
you're almost like behind areas mm. like you're behind the decks you don't it's not really an involvement it's more the socializing aspect is the difficult part because um communicating with people and networking is like such a pinnacle part of the industry and it's exhausting mm. so it's quite tiring as well and i've got to a point now where i've prioritized that over being social so i used to be that person that was constantly out and i'd stay from the entire event but it was then i'd get home and i'd be so exhausted and then i'd feel really down for the entire week and I'd be like, why am I feeling so exhausted? It's because it's such, you have to like almost put on a mask mm. of this persona for seven hours of an evening. And then you go to an afters. So then it's like another six hours. So you're like constantly exhausted. So as I've got older, I've learned that I'll just turn up for my set or I'll turn up for like an hour before, have a bit of a conversation, do my set, speak afterwards and leave. Mm. And that's how I manage it. But yeah, it's quite exhausting. It's because there's such high expectations of the person you've got to be socially as a dj and just as a musician in the industry it can be quite it's quite intense pressure and then you see people on like social media so i've got all my apps muted but you see often on social media and like stories and stuff people being social and all these people going out all the time you're feeling like you've got that fomo and then you get anxiety be like oh am i missing out on these opportunities for not going out and being social Mm. but then it's like well i shouldn't need to constantly be out all the time to then have to get these gigs yeah so yeah it's it's a ba- it's constant battle it's that balance as well isn't it because i think like your social battery does just get so yeah. drained from like how high energy like the events and the afters are as well and, like you said it's not like it's you're nipping out for a couple of hours like you could literally be gone all night and mm-hmm. then until like really early hours in the morning i also try and avoid drinking while djing so i drive mm-hmm. so i only started driving two years ago which was just after COVID. just after COVID when gigs started picking up so now I try and drive to and from all my gigs so I don't drink yeah um so I avoid that because when you drink alcohol you don't realize but it makes you more anxious then you just talk more Mm. and you don't realize you think it's a good thing but it's actually not because you end up speaking way more than you need to and then you wake up with anxiety in the morning and it's just even worse so avoiding alcohol if I can Mm. um drug scene it was massive when i was at uni but that's like i try and avoid that as much as possible now um because that was just even worse as you get older you don't realize it's not like a fun thing anymore so yeah just avoiding those but yeah exercise even if i can't go to the gym me and my boyfriend have a dog so dog walks just getting out yeah so like if i wake up on like a sunday the benefit of having a dog is you just get out and you go for that walk and you come back and you feel a bit better yeah, I think something that, um, I think it was in one of the other podcasts that I was speaking to someone, and they said, it sounds really ridiculous, but sometimes, like, treat yourself like that dog, do you know what I mean? Like, if that yeah. dog needed water, you'd go and water it. Like, if the dog needed, like, a walk, you'd go and walk it. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that's something for people who might not have a dog, like, to maybe adapt. Sometimes, with having a dog, even on the days where you don't want to get up and go out and do those things, you do, because yeah, you know exactly. the dog needs it. But when it comes to ourselves, we're like, fuck it, like, I'm not doing it, like, so. Yeah. It's like having that shower as well. It's like waking up, you're like, oh, I don't really fancy it. And it's like, well, just do it. Yeah. And then even if you just stand there, you don't do anything, you'll walk out, you'll feel it slightly bit better. With the music scene and mm. events and stuff, so many people are like, oh, like, are you drinking? Are you coming to this afters? Like, how do you keep that level of... Yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, moving away from town was probably one of the biggest things I could have done. Mm. So I moved, removed myself, so I initially used to live in the city centre of Manchester Mm. um, and I could walk to the event and then it would be so easy to then be like well I can just stay because I can just walk home Um, so then I moved slightly out of the city centre to Salford so it's just slightly further out 
but I was still had that ability, but it was more removed. Mm. Um, I actually started ha- stopped hanging around with groups of people that were really fo- all their nights out were focused around drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So I've actually lost, I'd say, friends from that. But for me, it was a benefit because I'm not now in that really bad place. Because mm. I wake up and I feel awful, and then for the entire week I feel super depressed. Yeah. But these people I had to like, I'm still in touch with them, but I don't see them. So it's like learning that sometimes people aren't really the best for you, mm. even if they're really nice. Like they're not bad people, but their habits are bad. Mm. So I've had to remove myself from those situations. And like the groups I'm part of now, it's like the collective Not Bad For A Girl are really nice and they'll drink and stuff, but they won't make you feel bad for not drinking. Yeah. And I think that's really important. So you need to be around people that if you say I'm not drinking, they'll be like, oh, okay, that's fine. It's not like some of the groups I used to be a part of would like be like, oh, why, why are you not drinking? Like, come on, just, just have one. It's mm-hmm. not you don't want to be around those kind of people, yeah. Because then you feel guilty for choosing that decision, mm-hmm. and I think that was really important for me. But it's difficult when you're DJing because obviously those people are there regardless. Mm-hmm. I try and avoid the green room as much as possible because mm-hmm. that's where everything happens. Mm-hmm. So I try and stay in the DJ booth if I can or near it. It's removing yourself from those situations that might encourage that behaviour. It's not bad for saying no, mm. even if people make you feel bad for it, because it, it happens so much as well. I think it's really interesting about, about what you were saying about like people asking why as well when you're yeah. not drinking, because I think like we forget that we just don't owe anyone an explanation like for our reasons for doing these things. Like, yeah. and I think so many people just feel like they're entitled to say and like answers and explanations. Um, so I think what we'll do now is if you want to introduce one of the the sounds that we're gonna showcase and mm-hmm. um, just to give a little bit of taste for other kinds of music and um, that you want to highlight yeah so one of them's by a guy called Oromatic and it's a track called Oromaster it's I believe it's one of his first tracks he's ever produced but I've came across him in the Manchester scene mm-hmm. and I'm quite close with him now as a friend and I've been watching him produce like sh- he sends these dubs all the time and I think He's got loads of potential and he did a mix from a mix series and it's on like 1.5k listens and he's got bookings all over the country from it. So I think he's quite a good one to highlight because I think he's still a student and pretty young Mm. but he's very fresh to the sea but I think he's like one to watch in like garage and stuff. What we're going to talk about now is just some of the experience that you've had within the music industry. Um, So what has been your proudest moment to date? Probably Warehouse Project last year was pretty... I got a, I got a message literally as I was driving down to through France with my mum. Mm. So we just got into France. I think it was in August or July last year, and I got a message from the guy who runs Ghost Garage. He was like, "Do you fancy playing Warehouse Project back to back with Matic, which is one of the guys who also plays for Ghost Garage?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it's been a dream of mine to play at that event. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to play at Warehouse Project. I've been going for years. I was going before I moved to Manchester. Mm. So playing that event was mental and I think it made it more special because we were opening so we had low expectations of how busy it was going to get I've never been to a warehouse project opening I go like last minute yeah but they put interplanetary criminal on after us and he was the one who at the time baddest of them all was like top of the charts so we kind of had an inkling that people would want to be there for a set but we didn't expect it to fill up yeah so me and Matt prepared like a super chill like garage set and we were like oh we'll just like play opening songs and I'm not really an open person so I was like stressed I was like oh I don't really have chilled music but we'll try yeah and then as soon as the gates like the doors open people are just swarming to our room we're not even in the main room which is in the room where you can stand behind the decks it's mm. called concourse and everyone's coming to our room and not the main room and we we're like what is going on 
And then within 15 minutes, it, the room was half full already. And I was like, oh my God, this is bizarre. So then I just went to bed. I was like, we're going to have to completely change it. And I planned this set meticulously. I'm really particular with planning them. And it was full, so we had to switch to Speed Garage. And it's probably one of our best sets ever. That whole night, like the VIP experience, meeting all the eyes backstage. It was, it was a very weird, almost surreal feeling that whole night. Like when I finished the set, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's an interesting point as well because I think this is what a lot of like artists and stuff talk about is when you have finished on such a high like that, like how do you go back to normal life and yeah. putting the bins out? Do you know what I mean? The next day, like how do you deal with that difference in pace within life? Oh, it's so bizarre because I was so with my day job in HR, so um, I work like Monday to Friday, eight till five, long hours. Mm. Uh, doing my HR I'm, I'm the only HR person for my area so I'm a senior people advisor and it's very very you can ask for a more different job mm. so like I try and have gigs on a Friday or a Saturday I come home and then I try and relax and then I, the day after I try and make sure that I've got no plans or I've got like a list I'm a big list person mm. so I have like a checklist of stuff I need to do that's more normal and it kind of just brings me down to like a level I'd say it's really hard in summer with festivals. I'd say that's the most challenging time to transition between. Because I come back from a festival and the next day I'm in work. Oh, that's gross. So I've got, <laughs> so I'm at six different festivals in summer. Yeah. And I'm playing at four of them. The transition, even from last year, just doing, I think I played at two or three, three. Mm. I played at four this year. The transition was hard because you'd come back and your head would be still like party mode but then you're also tired and then you've got work mm-hmm. um so this year it's like managing that and like I did quite well with like leaving festivals early so got when I was actually there for a night and then I drove home mm-hmm. so I wouldn't stay the whole weekend yeah so I think it's yeah it can be difficult but it's like planning ahead on how you're going to relax before you go back to the other job <laughs> yeah we spoke about not bad for a girl and I just wanted to talk a little bit about being a female in the kind of music industry mm-hmm. that you are. Obviously there is a lot more like female artists up and coming and stuff like that but I think obviously when I first started going to events it was very like unheard of that you'd yeah. see like a female um, DJ. So where like where are you at with that in terms of like have you had any experiences that have been quite challenging because of that or yeah i've seen when i'm really lucky that all the people like circo um the first group of guys that i was friends with moved to manchester they were really welcoming and opening opening the doors for me for djing so i was mm-hmm. really lucky in that sense but from that you meet collect like promoters will take advantage of you being a female they'll where it's harder to get paid the right amount of money. Really? With, yeah. Even now, some will pay you a fair amount, but there yeah. are still so many promoters, really big ones, that are really dead on with not budging on pay. And it's really frustrating. So that's still, even today, and so many people can back me up on this. Like, female non-binary people can 100% yeah. like, just back me up that pay is really difficult if you're not a guy, because they just are super laddie. Some people are spot on with it and are male-run organisations. They really recognise, like, fair pay and everything like that. But it is really hard to push that. Um, lineups are still a massive problem. There is so many lineups now where, even if it's not 50-50, if you can get it as close to 50-50, it's, you're, that's what you should be aiming for. Mm. Or sometimes more women than non-binary than men. But it's, like, I'm still seeing lineups, even from back home in York, where it's just all men. Mm. But even to get on those lineups is really difficult because, again, they're not willing to pay. 
because they'll pay their mates and they'll be like, oh yeah, their mate, they'll give their mates like free booze or their mates will be like, oh yeah, I'll pay for free. And it's mm. it's not helping the problem because yeah. if you're willing as a guy to pay, get take no money, then th- those people that run it are just going to think it's okay never to pay anyone. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely challenging. But I think being co- part of collectives, there's so many now female and non-binary collectives like Not Bad For A Girl, for example, as well, that are helping push artists onto these lineups but again pay is just such a big problem and I feel like that's one of the main issues with there not being enough diversity on lineups is because they're just not willing to pay the people which is bizarre (laughs) yeah quite a lot of people have been told that they need to push like sales and stuff to even keep slots within events and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and I think that it's mad that it's even reverted back to this because the people who I've been speaking to you know they've been doing this for years and I think there's such a inconsistency of how events and stuff are run um, and I think that's where it does leave a lot of people up to like vulnerabilities yeah. and if you're new to the game you're not going to think any anything different either are you? No so when I was in London funnily enough so when I first started playing um, so I learned through London Sound Academy and they're not going to lie they do do exactly that so that's mm. and I did once and it was awful and I've never supported that kind of way of working mm. but they get new DJs to sell an X amount of tickets to get set mm. and it's very big in London I've noticed a lot of events in London and it is coming back up north and I do not agree with it there's also the element of um, doing a competition so posting a mix and if your mix gets the most likes you can get the set but it's that's a popularity contest yeah. rather than a quality contest mm. I think there's elements of People should be able to just submit a mix, you listen to it and then you choose. It shouldn't be the based off everyone else trying to do the hard work for you to get a lineup. Yeah. So I think it's really difficult to do it that way. But it shouldn't be the DJ's job no. to be bringing the people into the promote the ticket sales. That's the promoter's job. You're supposed to book these people that are really good at mixing. Because they. I think there's an element of people forgetting that everyone started at the bottom. And it's because of bookings that they were able to get seen and get known. So it's part of... The responsibility of like events and promoters to book these people that are really low down mm. that are really talented and get them on lineups that are really big that you know will sell tickets yeah. you shouldn't be relying on the people that aren't headliners to sell tickets mm. they're supposed to be there to like try and get to the point where they are the headliners but there's people like that are really good at selling the tickets and know exactly what they're doing so like brands like warped in manchester they're great like they're really supportive of new artists and they don't rely on artists to sell tickets because they know their brand's really good and that's because of their hard work yeah um and they're not always worried about making a loss like they're really hard working and i think that's what the element people are forgetting is you have got to graft if you want your events to do well yeah um yeah it's it is starting to become djs are starting to become promoters and i think that's terrible I hate promoting. I'd never want to run an event in my life. It's stressful and it's not in my interest. Well, yeah. If you wanted to be a promoter, you would have been a promoter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we spoke a little bit about Not Bad For A Girl. I just wanted to like zone in on that. Do you want to just tell the audience a little bit about that? Yeah, so Not Bad For A Girl is a collective of female non-binary DJs. Um, there is currently, I think, five of us that DJ. I could be wrong. Maybe six changes um and then there's we've got martha who runs it founded it and then we've got sophie who also helps run it as well and then um we kind of all work together it's really evolved over the last couple of years Mm. um especially this year's been a bit mental but we all play very pretty much all genres across the spectrum which is very cool and yeah it's pretty amazing to be part of it's really nice um we're really supportive of like mental health as a thing so like 
sometimes feel like you're supposed to have taken breaks and things like that because it can be quite intense um there's elements of running events as well as just kind of getting each other on lineups and things like that we've recently done a collaboration with converse which is very cool Ooh, so that was in london we're now a pirate radio resident as the collective so we entered the competition there was like thousands of applicants and we were one of the 36 that got chosen so, so that's really cool um what else We've got, we played at Eldorado last year, that was our first festival, and then we played at Eldorado this year. But we've got quite a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, Martha and a couple of others of the group were able to like put on this massive festival online for two days. Sure. It was incredible, there was constant live streams, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen be put together. Um, so yeah, it was pretty mental when they did that, but they put on events throughout the year. Um, but yeah, just really cool to be a part of the collective, and I always encourage people when they're always asking about like being a female or non-binary or underrepresented area of being a dj always join a collective because then you're kind of all in it together and you're able to up, like hype each other up if people reach out for you for a set and it's not relevant to you, you can like pass people on i think it's like really good that it's almost rewriting the attitudes towards like the music industry mm -hmm. and like that kind of welcoming atmosphere as well because I don't think that happens quite a lot. I think like the music industry can often be quite judgy. Yeah. So I think the fact that you know it, yeah it's almost rewriting the rule book and I love that and I think like that level of support as well is just really important. So I think it's time that we play a little bit more um, music now. What I want us to talk about now is music that comes along to support you when you're wanting to get out of the funk so if you're in a bad mood or you're in a bit of a bad mindset and um, what song would you oh, put yes. on so it's final credits by midland because neither one of us wants to be the first to say goodbye Yeah, that was the song that I always put on. Um, if I'm ever in a bad mood, mm -hmm. it's the song I put on. It is such a nice, I'd guess like almost funky, but disco song. People will know it once you play it, but it's just got such a well-known like tone to it. Um, and the tune is just great to drive to, walk to, work out to, just listen to. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a feel-good song. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, highly recommend it to everyone <laughs> yeah a part of the gig is the social media side of it and I have, like the marketing that comes along with that um how do you find doing that because i know algorithms can put a lot of pressure on artists to, like post every day and stuff like that yes it's intense so i have to post three times a week so i started part of doing the mix series that i do so i do that on a weekly basis and to make it look good on my feed so that all the mix series are stacked on top of one each other so it looks really put together, but that means I have to post twice a week of normal stuff to have that. Yeah. So I post every Wednesday is my mix series, so I get someone to do a mix um, that is requested to do one, and that gets posted on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So then I've got two day, well, and bet between then and the following Wednesday to then post two more, so it's stacked perfectly. Mm -hmm. So then when it comes to my normal stuff, I try and have a plan. So I've got, again, a list on my notes app of if I think of an idea of a post I want to do on my feed, I'll write it down. But it does help because my engagement is really high. I think my reach is like 7,000 accounts every month. Mm -hmm. And my, my following isn't that big, but I've got friends that have got 10,000 followers. 
and I've shown them my reach, my reach is like four times higher than theirs, mm. but literally because of my consistency with posting. Yeah. But it's constantly, it's always a thing, and I'm constantly posting, so it's quite a lot to think about. I don't have notifications on my phone though. Mm. Like, I was Only- always on my phone. Like, mm. my screen time was like 13 hours a day. Yeah. And then I was like, why do I feel so sad? And I was like, comparing myself. I also muted a lot of people's stories mm. that I felt like I was comparing myself to because yeah. I was like, then feeling like I wasn't accomplishing anything. What's really interesting about the social media side of it as well is I think it just developed, it just like progressed so fast that we weren't able to put those regulations in to be able to protect ourselves mm-hmm. and our energy and our mental health um, with it. Um, but I think now those regulations are starting to come into place and like hopefully younger people are going to have like be educated in the actual dangers of social yeah. media as well. Um, but it is just too addictive, isn't it? Like the the dopamine hits are real when TikTok, it comes to social media. Yeah, TikTok, you can just end up in a hole. Oh it's, my god, yeah. And the algorithm is so good mm. that oh, I could spend hours on it. Yeah, but I, I literally do spend hours on it. Sometimes I deleted it the other week because I just wasn't getting anything done. And I noticed that when it came to my attention span, I could not watch films. I couldn't watch like TV series because I was used to getting that stimulation within 15, 20 seconds. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah, so I ended up deleting it, and then it was almost like I had to train my brain to, like, get my attention span back. Um, but, yeah, it's I call it brain rot, but it, it, it is very juicy yeah. brain rot. <laughs> You're not wrong about the TV series thing, because I was literally watching... Me and my boyfriend both have TikTok, mm. which is bad, because I really think we both need to delete it, but we'll sit next to each other and scroll on different TikToks. And I'm, I, last night I was like, I was like, we need to stop doing this. <laughs> like, at our age, we should not be doing While we're watching a TV series, yeah. and then every something, something interesting, we're like, oh, that was funny. And we're like, but we don't know the context of what's just happened. <laughs> do it all the time. It's terrible, yeah. so. What we'll do to finish off is, do you just want to share a little bit about any advice or, like, guidance that you'd give to someone who might be struggling with the mental health at the moment yeah uh, definitely well the part parcel of being a hr i know there's so many resources available mm-hmm. so it's really key to um if it's a bad mental health at work like maybe reach out to like your hr team because they'll have resources and people don't realize that like they'll have connections speak to your doctor obviously that's not the easiest step ever maybe there's so many forums now online so reddit's a really good place to maybe just reach out to forums follow uh, mental health well-being pages there's like endless amounts and they have resources and um, there's so many well-being apps nowadays as well mm-hmm. getting out like just getting out and doing set tasks task lists are like key for me to just doing stuff i love a checklist and i hate seeing un- checklists undone so maybe just making like a checklist for yourself of just like minor tasks to do so i like, just do i have a checklist to do washing or like hang up my washing or make the bed change the beds but it's just tiny tasks mm-hmm. because ticking off that like minor task is actually quite an accomplishment I think it's realising as well that you're not everyone else yeah. um, and just like taking it slow. I think one of the key things, especially in the music industry, is you get this pressure of being old. Once you pass that age of 25, if you've not made it, there's you've got nothing. Mm. And I think that's such a big thing is that people, even just in general life, assume that you're supposed to have your life together by, your 25, by the time you're 25, mm. which is mental because... You're only like a quarter of the way through your life. You've technically only been an adult seven years. Yeah, people expect us to have it together. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to have it together as well. But like one of our slogans that we talk about loads in Mad Millennials is we're all just winging it. And I honestly think 
I'll always feel like I'm just winging it day to day. Like I don't think there'll ever be a point where I'll sit down and be like, okay, everything's the way it's meant to be. I've sussed it all out, I've completed it. Like it's a work in progress and I think that's what a lot of people do forget. So thank you so much. This has been really educational for me because I think in terms of like events and that kind of scene, um, it's just not something that I've dipped my toe in an interview <laughs> and so I do really appreciate it. And yeah, I've just, it's been really nice to pick your brains about like the music industry and mental health. So just to finish it off, um, we're going to play another one of your mixes. So um, the mix, I think this one is like a bit of a mixture of genres. It's a bit all over the place, but it like the tracks that I've chosen just work really well together, and it's almost like a snippet of what I would normally play in a club, mm -hmm. but obviously on a smaller scale. So yeah, it's just quite high energy. It's just really feel good. The transitions just go from one kind of element um, to another. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Do you just want to share a couple of your social medias or what's up and coming for you, where we can find you? Yeah, so my Instagram is it's that girl. That girl is spelt without the vowels, so it's T H T G R L. And then my SoundCloud is just that girl, same spelling. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much all you need where you'll find me on. And then upcoming, see, I've got El Dorado um, Festival with Not Bad for a Girl. I'm playing at Gotwood with Ghost Garage, and then I'm playing at Park Life. I'm opening the Ritz FM stage. Park Life, so that's really cool. Um, and then playing hide and seek in Manchester, so I'm back to back with my good friend Scott who runs Circo, so that's gonna be really nice. And that's currently where it's at. I'm also playing at Hidden, supporting one man next month too. So I've got quite a busy summer. Mm. <laughs> Sounds very, very spicy. Look forward to seeing. Thank you. What's coming up for you? 